I want to I want to challenge you this morning. I want to encourage you a little bit too. Uh, in my prayer a moment ago, as we were praying, the scripture talks about, and certainly as we as we move towards an election, as we move towards those things, there's a scripture that says that uh, righteousness exalts a nation. The the paraphrase of it: sin pulls one down, righteous exalt, righteousness exalts it. And I want to I want to speak to you this morning just with a simple thought: righteousness gets noticed. The righteousness isn't very popular today. Say amen if you know that. But I want you to know that righteousness gets noticed. I'm going to talk to you about the spiritual significance of that. But even in the world, righteousness gets noticed. People notice righteous people. Not self-righteous, that's different. But people that live according to God's standards, I believe that they are blessed, that God exalts them, that good things happen in their life. And righteousness has its rewards. Say amen if you believe that. You've heard it said, well, good guys finish last. Well, that is a lie from the devil, because I can assure you that good guys are going to finish first, and good girls too, as it relates to God's economy. But I want to I speak to you this morning about righteousness gets noticed. From Job chapter 1. Now, I want to uh, read this, but I won't... Um, well, I'll tell you what. I'm not going to read it this morning, because I've got quite a few notes here. You know the story of Job. Job chapter 1, verse 1. I will give you that verse. Let's look at that. It says, In the land of Uz there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Say amen if you think that's the way to live. Uh, There's some things that we know about Job, but let me give you a few details that come from the first 11 verses. Some of the things about Job. Job was an incredibly wealthy individual. There are those that would say that you can't be wealthy and serve God. Well, Job proved that wrong. You can't have God in second place to money and have money as your God and serve God. But that's not what Job was doing. He had sought first the kingdom of God and God had blessed him for it. Job owned 7,000 sheep. I think that's a lot in any place and any time. 7,000 sheep. He had 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen. So at least 1,000 oxen because a yoke is two of them yoked together. And 500 donkeys. He had seven sons and three daughters. The scripture says in these first 11 verses that he had a large number of servants. It also says that he was the greatest man among all the people of the East. And the scripture is absolutely clear in the fact that Job's practice was to ensure that he and his family stayed right in God's eyes. Righteousness garners blessings. Say amen if you believe that. Live a righteous life, God will bless you. You may not end up Job. You may not have 7,000 sheep. I, I don't really want 7,000 sheep. Do any of you? I don't know what you'd... 3,000 camels? I don't even know what you... What do you do with a camel? Ride it. I mean, but how many can you ride? I guess you can... I don't know. What else do you do with a camel? Do you, you don't farm with them. You, you don't milk a camel. You, you don't eat. You milk a camel, Jason? <laughs> Jason says that like he's experienced. Camel milker Jason back there. Oxen are obviously used for plowing the ground. Donkeys are also animals of burden. You can use those. But uh, seven sons and three daughters, many servants, greatest man among all the people of the East. I want you to notice some things that you already know, but you may not have thought about them in this order, about the story of Job. First of all, some points to remember about this. Number one, God notices. I'm going to touch on each of these quickly, but let me just give them to you right now. God notices your acts of righteousness. God's keeping a list. 
He doesn't have to write it down like we do, but God is making a record of righteousness. Doesn't go unnoticed. But he's not the only one. Satan also notices your acts of righteousness. The story of Job tells us that you decide to live a righteous life, you will be noticed by both God and Satan. Thirdly, Satan accuses and skews so as to cause destruction. Fourth, Satan's perception of what would separate Job from God was wrong. He thought that Job obeyed God because of God's blessing in verse 10 and 11. So let me touch on each of these real quickly and give you some things that I think are incredibly encouraging. First of all, God notices your acts of righteousness. You may think that people that cheat and lie and do other things, well, they, they get ahead. They move ahead faster. They make more money. They live in big cars. They, they get elected to office sometimes. They, they end up being in positions of authority. But I want you to know on the authority of God's word that God notices and is keeping a record of righteous people. Does it go unnoticed? Matthew chapter 18 verse 10 says, See that you do not look down on one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. The indication is that these are children that have not even learned to be unrighteous yet, and the righteous purity of their heart is always before the Father. I believe there is something that garners God's attention when His people, over the top of the world or over the top of culture, over the top of their own fleshly inclination, they make a determination to live a righteous life. How many of you are glad for God's grace? Glad that when you don't live a righteous life that there is grace to cover the multitude of sins. Amen? We're not saved by our righteousness. The scripture is very clear that our righteousness has filthy rags, but we've sort of developed this thing that goes on in some theological circles today that says it doesn't matter how you live because God's grace covers everything. That's true. God's grace will cover any of your sins save the sin of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And I don't think any of you are in danger of doing that. I am thankful for God's grace. Amen? But Paul said, should we continue to sin so that grace may abound? God forbid. That each one of us lives in the world every day with a choice, with an attitude, with a heart, with a determination. I got to get up this morning and decide, Joe, I am going to live for God today. Amen? I'm so thankful for His grace, but there's also righteous living to be appropriated. God's strength in us gives us the ability to rise above our sinful selves and to live righteous life. Hebrews 11, I want to read it to you from the message. It says, by an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. It was what he believed, not what he brought, that made the difference. That's what God noticed and approved as righteous. After all these centuries, that belief continues to catch our notice. Abel brought a better sacrifice. They both did something. One did something that was righteous. One did something that was unrighteous. It was because of the thing that, it was, that was in his heart. Listen to Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. First Peter chapter 3, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. Do you know that there's no promise in the Scripture for the Lord to hear the prayer of unrighteous people? Except perhaps for a prayer of repentance and salvation. Do you ever wonder why sometimes as a nation things seem to be going in a particular direction? I'm absolutely convinced it's because of the degree to which unrighteousness has gripped our nation. And in the national morality, we are continuing to go downhill and God blesses righteousness and he turns a blind eye and a deaf ear to unrighteousness. Now that's harsh. 
But God notices righteous living. Say amen. But God's not the only one that is drawn to righteousness. Watch this. We've seen this in the story of Job. I use Job because we know what happens to him. It is his righteousness, his uprightness, his love for God, his dedication to God that draws the attention of Satan. God does notice, but so does Satan. So does Satan notices your acts of righteousness. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Satan's not trying to devour the unrighteous. They have no impact on the world. The moment that you set your affections on the things of God, I believe there's a big spiritual target that gets put on your back. And the enemy, you become. Why, why, did, why were we told by Paul in Ephesians to put on the whole armor? One of them... One of those pieces of armor being the shield of faith with which we quench the flaming darts of the evil one. He's going to take shots at you. I think sometimes just knowing that he is upset at you for your act of righteousness and determining that when difficulty comes, I'm going to recognize it for what it is gives me a determination that I don't have. Sometimes people go, Lord, why did you allow this to happen? I think we're going to get to that in a moment. But sometimes difficult things happen to righteous people, not because they're not righteous, but because they are. That's what I want you to see this morning. Sometimes we think that if I live a righteous life, I will never encounter any difficulty. But if you live long enough, you're going to know what it feels like to live a righteous life and have a job close out or have a report from the doctor that you have to believe God for healing of or have a child that wanders away from the Lord. Promises are still there, but I think sometimes it's because you're righteous that the enemy sets his sights on you. Job Let me read you the verse of Scripture of what happened to Job. It's in chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. It says, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with him. And the Lord said to Satan, he notices Job's righteousness. Where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. And eventually in that story, the Lord says, Have you noticed my servant Job, how he is upright in all of his ways. And then in verse 10 and 11, the enemy, we're going to see this in a moment, he makes a tactical error because he believes that the reason that Job serves the Lord is because of God's blessings. Here's the crux of it. Let me ask you a question. Because Satan is always going to be who he is. He's a liar and the father of lies. Will you serve the Lord without his blessings? Do we only serve him when he removes the trouble from our life? Or do we have a faith that has the ability to endure a season where his answer is no? Any of you ever had the Lord tell you no? Do you remember when you were five and you asked for something and your parents said no, how much you liked it? Sometimes I think that's the way we are. We are always toddlers in the presence of God. Lord, I want that job. No. Lord, I want this. No. No. And have you ever grown frustrated because the Lord wouldn't explain why? He's under no obligation to explain his his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. He knows what we don't know. So God notices righteousness. Satan notices your righteousness. And Satan always accuses and tries to skew the truth. Look at John chapter 8, 44. 
Jesus said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. His specialty is perceptions. He avoids the truth at all, at all costs. What does this mean? I think sometimes, and one of the questions that I hear most from people in moments of great difficulty, it's a simple question, but it's profound. They, they say, it starts off with a single word, Pastor, why? Why is this happening? After some time, that, that question will expand. Why is the Lord allowing this to happen? Why am I going through this? Why didn't the Lord prevent this? And Satan lies to us and he twists it. Father doesn't love you. Father doesn't care about you. How about this one? He's not even really there. You're just lifting up prayers to the air. If he was really there, he would have kept this from happening. He would have made your life easier. He would have caused you to not suffer any difficulty or any hardship. Why does he do that? Why does your enemy do that? Because, and listen, I know who I'm talking to this morning. I'm talking to people of faith, people of courage, people who have lived through some stuff. Why does he do that? Because even though he is a spiritual being, he's not an all-knowing being, and he doesn't know what's really in your heart. He can only see what you do. He can't read your mind, and he doesn't know the thoughts of your heart. Only the Father can do that. And he thinks that if he can convince you that you've walked out from under the blessing of God, that you'll curse God and die, and he'll have you. He thinks that the reason that you're serving God is for what you can get out of it. That's his heart. That's his mindset. That's, that's what caused him. He wanted something that wasn't his. He ascribed to the throne of God. He wanted to rule as God, and that's what he was thrown out of heaven for. He thinks that you're like him. He thinks that you're only after something. You're only conniving to get something. You're trying to leverage God. You're trying to find the right words to say, or the right formula in your prayers so that God has to. What he doesn't understand is what faith really is. He doesn't understand that Faith is faith most powerfully, not in the times of blessing, but in the difficult times. That real faith manifests itself not when you're living with bags of money that you're tripping over, but when you got more month than money. You ever had one of those? Amen? Where all the numbers in your bank account got brackets around them, you know, or they're red. And faith kicks in and you say, no, no, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. No, I, no, no weapon formed against me. I don't care what I see. I don't care what I feel. I don't care what my emotions are telling me. I don't care what the world is reporting or what's on all the news stations. I believe that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I believe that heaven and earth will pass away, but that his kingdom will endure forever. I believe that his promises are yes and amen. I believe that the righteous will never be forsaken or their seed begging for bread. I believe. I don't believe because I see, because that's not faith. I don't believe because I'm touched. I'm not doubting Thomas. No, I believe because the authority of God's word stands true in my heart. And devil, you have obviously misunderstood who you're dealing with here. Is that who you are? Because that's who Job was. The reports keep coming. Well, your 
your, your 7,000 sheep have died. And then your camels, raiders came in, carried all the livestock off. Your oxen are gone. Your donkeys are gone. You, you went in a day, Job, from being one of the wealthiest people in the east, the greatest of... Now listen, if you call me today and say, somebody has stolen all of your money out of the bank, I'm likely to go, what will I do without that $63? Anybody with me? Well, it's a little more than that, but, but I'm not listed in the wealthiest people from the East. Amen? I remember when Y2K, back then I was still, I was just out of, not too long out of college and buying our first house. And they said, y'all remember Y2K? I know you do, but you remember all the hoopla about it? Any, do y'all remember that? And they were like, all of the financial records are going to be ripe, wiped out at midnight. And I was like, yeah! <laughs> because if everything gets wiped out, it's a net gain for me. I'm making money. You know what I mean? I wasn't afraid. I was hoping it all get wiped out and get lost. But this says that Job, in a day, in a day, lost every... Now listen, he doesn't have a bank somewhere with a secure deposit by the FDIC. He's He's, you see what I mean? He, he's, he's got camels and sheep and oxen and donkeys and seven sons and three daughters. And in a day, all of the sheep, camels, oxen, and donkeys are taken away. He goes from being incredibly wealthy to having essentially nothing. And then he says, well, but I got my kids. We'll start over only for another messenger to come in and say there was a storm and the house collapsed and the roof fell and all of your seven sons and all of your daughters were killed. And then he says, well, and I'm making this up. Well, I'm, I'm still breathing. I'm still alive. I still got my health. You remember the story, right? And the devil says, ha, ha, that's it. That's the, that's the bedrock thing. Now I've really discovered. This is Samson's hair again. I've discovered the source of his strength. Most people believe that Job is actually older, old, old, old story. But God, he, he'll give his soul for his physical health. You let me touch his body, he will curse you. Really? Watch this. Why does the Lord let him do it? Why does God let Satan add Job? Because that's really our question, isn't it? Lord, why did you let this happen? I don't care about Job. <laughs> to me. Why? Why did? Watch this. What did God? God know that Satan didn't. He knew Job's heart. He knew what was in there. He knew who he really was, even more so, I believe, than Job himself. And so he says, okay, you can touch his body, but don't take his life. And so he heaps this sickness on Job that causes boils to come up so painful, it says that eventually Job just sits in the dirt with a broken, remember this? Broken piece of pottery. 
and scrapes the boils off his skin. Now, I don't know how down you've been, but I don't think I've been sitting in the dirt, scraped boils off, not with some instrument, with a broken piece of pottery, Brother Keith. You know, I, don't, I think he sits down there and he looks around and that's what's there. He doesn't go, excuse me, sweetie, you got a broken piece of pottery? No, he sits down in the pain and he goes, I got to do something. And he reaches for what he can find and he grabs a broken piece of terracotta pottery, something like that, and he starts scraping the boils. Man, that's a picture, isn't it? And then he's blessed with this wonderful helpmate. Job, you, you have invested everything in your faith. And look what it's done for you. I'm paraphrasing, but this is basically what she says. Why don't you just curse God and die? I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, I don't like the way you made the bed. I've heard that. What were you thinking when you didn't do that? I've heard that. Any of you? I mean, why don't you, why don't you stop doing that and start doing this? I hear things like that. But I had never heard, Jerry, listen, I know you're the pastor of the church, but why don't you just curse God and die? I don't know about you, but that's, that's a pretty bad day. Anybody? And add it all up. Everything that you had monetarily is gone in a day. Your banker calls and says your partner embezzled it all. All he left you with was your wife. And you're thinking... Why couldn't she have run off with him as well? I'm sorry. And then, now your kids, they're dead, all of them. You lose one child. What is the grief like to lose? Some of you have. He loses 10 in one moment. And that right on the back of all of his, all of, he's now broke, destitute, childless, with a terrible wife, and his body is infected with sores that are heaping up in boils that he's scraping off with a broken piece of pottery. Why? Because God knows something about Job that Satan certainly doesn't know, and that Job doesn't even know, that pushed right to the hilt his faith stands the Lord blesses the Lord gives and the Lord takes away blessed be the name of the Lord man wow God notices your acts of righteousness Satan notices them Satan is always accusing. He's always going to. But fourthly, Satan's perception of what it would take for Job to curse God was totally off. Satan thought that Job worshipped God because of his blessings. And as I said, it brings us to the real question, why? I want to read you 
two more sections of Scripture for lengthy and then a couple of single ones. Why does it happen? First Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that, you ready? Here's why it happens. These have come, God has allowed this, so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Watch this. May result in praise, glory, and honor. For who? For you. When Jesus is revealed. There's going to come a moment when your righteousness is going to reap the reward that this world doesn't pay. You're going to stand before the Lord and somebody in some fashion, some recording device, some way, the righteousness of your life is going to be revealed and that's going to result finally in praise and glory. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. One moment in the presence of the Lord and the reality of eternity stretching out before you and whatever difficulty you faced here is going to pale in comparison to the joy of the salvation of your souls. The only commodity in that moment, it won't be camels, it won't be sheep, it won't be land, it won't be money in the bank, it won't be the applause of earth, it won't be positions or titles. There's going to come a moment when the reality of eternity is going to stretch out before you and you're going to know that your faith in Christ Jesus through hardship, through death, through suffering, through loss, through, through lies, and through misperceptions has held true. And in that moment, the price of your righteousness is going to be revealed. The reward is going to be seen, and the salvation of your soul is going to be seen for the, for the full measure of its worth, and great rejoicing will be yours in that day. Amen? Will difficult trials come to this life? You bet. What's their purpose? To remind you, to test, and to build your belief in something that will pay a dividend that you cannot see. Listen, Peter says that. Though you have not seen him and you do not see him now, you hold on. Why? Because you know that you know that you know that you know that one day eternity is going to open up in front of you. And now listen, I believe, I believe we ought to be engaged in this political season, but I want you to know on the authority of God's word, I think it matters, but it Listen, I'm going to heaven regardless of who gets elected president. Amen? I'm going to serve God and live a righteous life. Whether you want me to be your pastor or not, whether Leanne tells me to curse God and die or not, which she's not going to, whether I end up sitting scraping boils with a piece of pottery, I want you to know that I have, and I believe you have as well, made up my mind that one day I'm going to heaven. And listen, this world will not deviate from that cause in my life. Is there difficulties? Yes. Are there trials? Yes. 
Do I believe that we're not done with them yet? Yes. Do I believe that our nation will continue to move away from righteousness? Yes. Do I believe that it will get more difficult for live, to live for Jesus? Yes, I do. Do I believe that maybe even yet in our lifetime there may come a day when the cost of claiming the name of Jesus is very high? Yes. Do I believe that there may even come a day when meeting together openly in this nation? If you'd asked me this 10 years ago, I'd have said, you're ridiculous in that assumption. But things are moving so quickly away from the things of the Lord. What do we do? We hold on to, listen, three more real quick scriptures. Isaiah chapter 43, beginning in verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I've told you before, why could it just have not said you won't pass through waters and you won't have to get in the river and there won't be any fire? But that's not what it says. You know why? Because we're not in heaven yet. We live on this earth. And this isn't heaven. Sometimes it's hard. Listen to John chapter 14, verse 18. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Do you know what an orphan is? Sure you do. What's an orphan? What qualifies a person to be an orphan? Somebody say it out loud. No parents. No mother. No if you have a mother, are you an orphan? If you have just a mother and no father, are you an orphan? If you have a father but no mother, are you an orphan? No, in order to be an orphan, you've got to have no mother and no I think sometimes we act like we're orphans. Well, I could preach right there for a week. But you're not an orphan. It doesn't matter how you feel, you're not an orphan. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. You are not an orphan. You're a child of the king. Now, watch this. That kingdom has not yet been revealed. It's just not. This isn't his kingdom. Hopefully this little piece right here might be. But, but you're not living in his kingdom yet. It has not yet revealed itself. His, his authority has not yet been recognized on this earth. His throne is not yet ensconced on this planet. His rule has not yet been put into place but it will be. It's coming, and you're an inheritor of that kingdom. He will not leave you as orphans. I love just a simple verse. I will not. This is John 14, 16. Again, I, I read it, but I want, you to, I want you to remember it. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Isn't that good? One more. Psalm 56, 8 and 9. Record my lament. List my tears on your scroll. Is there, are there times of lament? Say yes. Do you sometimes shed tears? Yes. Record my lament. List my tears. Are they not in our record? God's keeping a record. Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I will know that God is for me. There's coming a moment when every knee will bow and every tongue confess. And his kingdom will be and put into place here on this earth, and your life will be completely redeemed. These bodies have not yet been redeemed. Look in the mirror if you don't believe it. 
age, decay. Anybody got anything that hurts today? Any, any, anywhere? Yeah. All right. I've got a pinched nerve in my neck that's getting worse with every passing years. And it's a regularity now. I don't complain about it because there's nothing that can be done about it. But it's with regularity that, it, that this side of my arm and that thumb and that finger get numb. Do I pray about it? You bet I pray. And then you know what I do? I get up and do whatever I was going to do because greater is he that is in me. Do I wish it would go away? Yes. Is it going to go away someday? Yes. It's either going to be healed here or it's going to be healed there. But I'm not going to walk, well, I'll tell you what. Man. <laughs> How many of you like being around those people? I'm not talking about occasionally. Everybody has tears sometimes, but I'm talking about Eeyore. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know Eeyore? Remember Winnie the Pooh? Mm, might as well just go on. Nice. Come on. I'm, I'm on my way to heaven. How about you? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Are there difficulties? Yes, there are difficulties. Are there hardships? Yes. Will there be tears? Yes. Will there be trials and lament? Yes. But I'm on my way to heaven. One day I'm going to shed this body. Paul said, when this corruptible puts on the incorruptible, when this mortal puts on the immortal, oh, then will be revealed all that God has for us. And I'm completely convinced that I'm closer today than I've ever been before. And so are you. Either by the grave, which is not my enemy or yours, or the rapture, which could be today, Brother Keith. Wouldn't that be a cool deal? Who are you going to vote for? I don't know. I think the rapture's happening tomorrow. I'm going to skip the election. Amen. See how they mention that in the next debate. Thousands, hopefully millions disappear. It's his fault. All right. No, it'll be his fault. Amen. Do I think we should be engaged? Yes. Do I think we should be disheartened? No. Will difficulty come? Yes. Why? Because you've been unrighteous? No, because you've been righteous. So should we quit being righteous because the devil won't take shots at us and it'll be easier? If you do, I'll get you. All right, that's my job. No, we are called to live righteous lives. The real definition of discipline, you know what it is? It's not the spanking. That's not the way the word is used. That's, that's, the, that's, just, the, that's just what you use to hopefully produce discipline. Discipline is what you do when nobody's watching. Who you are when there's no chance you'll get caught. Who you are in your thoughts. Who you are in your heart. How you are with other people. Righteousness expresses itself. It expresses itself. And we are called to be righteous people in an unrighteous world. It'll be noticed. And one day it'll be rewarded. Amen. Father... I pray, Lord, that we would be righteous people. We live in a difficult world. Difficult circumstances. Difficult seasons. And Lord, I'm I'm afraid that sometimes we use that as an excuse. Well, I behave this way because it's hard. I talk this way. I post stuff on social media because it's just hard. Because it's not going my way. And we leave righteousness behind us. And we blame it on the world. We blame it on the Republicans. Or we blame it on the Democrats. Or we blame it on the economy. Or we blame it on our spouse. Or we blame it on our kids. 
Father, when your word says that you have given us everything we need for life and for godliness. And I choose to live righteous, Lord. Not self-righteous. I can't do it without your grace. I can't do it without you, Holy Spirit, lifting me out of my flesh and out of my sinful nature. But Lord, of all the groups that will get this, this group will. They've lived long enough, Lord, to know the benefit of living a godly life. Whether it pays more instantly or not, it does pay more. And I pray, Father, that righteousness would be what we crown our life with. Through your power and through your work, Holy Spirit, that we would set our eyes upon righteous lives. Thank you for these. Thank you for your presence. I pray for each of those that are watching us via the stream, Lord, that they too would be drawn to righteous living. Oh, Lord, and when we do, win the lost around us through it. That by seeing, the scripture says, that by seeing our good works, they would give glory to our Father in heaven. Help me be righteous, Father. And please you in all that I do and all that I am. In Jesus' powerful name. Amen.